0: This is Juliana McIntosh.
1: And I'm Brad Sutton. And And this this is is The The Art Art of of drinking. Drinking.
0: With Join Jules.
1: And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast.
0: Where you learn how to make two drinks.
1: A classic.
0: And a twist.
1: Plus a little backstory on the cocktail.
0: So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests.
1: Your home crafted masterpiece. Jules, I'm gonna take this one. And I'm taking this one because I'm excited about this episode. One, because I love The Paper Plane. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite new classics. Yes. Two, I'm really digging the interview series we got going on and talking to some really cool people like Caitlin Stewart of Likeable Cocktails. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so Caitlin, let me see if I have this right. Go for it. You've been working in the industry for over 18 years. You correct. are a global bartending champion. Also correct. But you were also, 2017, the first Canadian to win the Diageo World Class Global Bartender of the Year title. Also correct. A mouthful, but correct. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and then you've also been nominated twice at the Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Awards for the International Bartender of the Year. Also correct. And. You started and, your own con- and you've started your own consulting and education platform online, which is where you and I followed each other.
2: And, and yeah, am I am I missing anything else? No, but you were more than welcome to like hang out with me anytime and be my hype woman because that just made me sound way cooler than I actually am. So appreciate that. (laughs) No, you were,
0: you were the pro. I remember watching your videos. Got it. I mean, it feels like yesterday, but now I'm, it's kind of been a while that you and I have been following each other and just all of your cocktails, you make them look so easy and they're so professional. I am, (laughs) I've like been obsessed just because like I've learned so much from you.
2: Yeah. Honestly, that is kind of the whole reason why I started doing it. Because I mean, listen, the pandemic was the pandemic. We're still pseudo going through that world of things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think everybody's favorite but most hated word was pivot. And <laughs> no. as a bartender who likes to socialize, who likes to interact with people and have people sit at their bar and enjoy what they do, because it's kind of like dinner theater. I don't know about you guys, but I love sitting at the bar and I will always oh, yeah. take a bar stool seat over a table oh, anytime. Right. And it's because you want to watch the bartender. So for me, when I started making online videos, it was just that. I was like, how can I bring what I love to do for people in a different way, I guess, in right. a different format? So still being able, totally. make it look effortless because yeah. then people are like, whoa, could I do that? Yeah. And like, <laughs> absolutely, you can. But also, when you're the quote-unquote professional, you also want to make it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> because then when people attempt yeah. it, they're like, oh, actually, this is a lot harder than it is. But still yeah. doable. It also kind of like, brings a little bit more of appreciation. So the next time you do go out to like buy a cocktail and you see the price on the menu or you just see like, I don't know, the effort that the bartender is really putting into it, you're like, Mm -hmm. I watched a video of this online and I understand what clarification or milk punch means or whatever description is on the menu. And I know that that actually takes a couple of days and it takes X, Y, Z. And so when you're sitting at the bar, you're kind of like have a little bit more of appreciation for what that bartender is doing. So it's also kind of two-sided that way where it's like, yeah, you can make it at home, but also when you're sitting yeah. at the bar, you're like, damn, this took a lot of effort. So bravo. It's like, you know, chefs get all the credit. So sometimes it's nice when the bartender gets a bit of credit yeah. too. <laughs> and,
1: the, and the bartender deserves credit, right? Like oh, you hell guys yeah. are like chef and making the food and or the drink right in front of people. And it's, it's actually bartending is just it's cooking with liquid. But right? in front so. of
2: people too. Like you have that aspect yeah, of entertaining. Pressure. For me, it's like baking, right? Because it's such a precise science. So when you're putting a cocktail together, you're like a quarter of an ounce and a half an ounce can make or break your drink, right? And like, I mean, I know you do the same thing, Jules, but like putting emphasis on measuring your cocktail ingredients and it really makes a difference. Be like, really? But does it? Honestly, it truly does.
0: Yeah, Brad, you were the one who taught me that too. When we made the sidecar, you're like, nope, you gotta measure it. You gotta measure it. Otherwise it's gonna be off. And that's, I feel like what, we go through It's like balance, right? It's like the whole thing. Yeah,
1: If you make like a hundred of those things, you know, yeah, you can probably free pour after a while. But honestly, if you're making stuff at home, just measure, it just makes a difference. If you want it to taste the same way all the time, measure, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Measure, but also consistency is key. I don't know. Like, totally. for me, like, I'd much rather take the extra, what, 0. 0.5 seconds it's going to take me to measure out a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, a gin and tonic, sure. I'm going to eyeball that gin into my tonic all day long, but totally. for something <laughs> a little more complicated, then yes, I'm, I'm measuring it. Well- Caitlin,
0: I know you kind of talked to us about what you're doing, but I feel like Brad and I want to, we want to hear your story. Like, what are you doing today? What have you done before? How you got started? Just kind of give us, yeah. (laughs) We're getting deep. We're getting deep and meaningful here. Yeah. Yeah, We want to know who Caitlin Likeable Cocktails is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Lay on the couch. Tell us your story. Okay.
2: Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Like you said off the top, I've been in this industry for like 18 years as a bartender, mm-hmm. but my family has been in hospitality my whole life. So running restaurants and cool. owning restaurants and doing all that kind of side of, of the business. I kind of started uh, when I was in just going into university because it was a really easy way to make good money, to be able to pay for my bills, and <laughs> and have fun at the same time. So as I kind of got into it, I realized that, oh, you can actually make bartending a career and yeah. it'd be like really fun and exciting. And I got my cat jumping all over me. It'd be really fun <laughs> and exciting. And my parents were super supportive. Like they never said, why aren't you using the degree that you got? And it was, no, it was like, whoa, you're actually traveling the world doing this? We never had that option. Like what the heck? But I mean, it took a little bit to get there. Like I worked at dive bars. I worked at hotels, chain restaurants, fancy fine dining, everything in between. But it wasn't until I really got into this one spot and I had a mentor, and I didn't really understand that or realize that there was such a thing as bar mentors out there. And he threw me into my very first cocktail competition. And I was like, what in the heck is a cocktail competition? And he was like, listen, you grew up dancing, singing, acting, whatever. This will be easy for you. And he's like, do this, have some fun with it. And I did, and I ended up winning that very first competition I was in. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I can actually put like my artsy side and my fun, I don't know, hospitality side together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was cool. So I got into my first competition and then I kind of kept rolling. And then a few years later, I tried out for, I guess, the Diageo World Class, which is, I would say, the most prestigious cocktail competition in craft cocktail world. It's kind of the be-all end-all. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the Canadian side and you have to win your country first before you can so, sure go on to the globals to represent your country. So I was like, screw it, I'm gonna do this, this is gonna be fun. And I entered, and I made it through round by round by round, ended up winning for Canada, and then I was like, all right, guess we're going to the Worlds. Like, we're gonna compete against 60 other countries' best bartender. Have to make co- cocktails for, like, Dale DeGroff, Julie Reiner. I had Legend. Wenosan from Bar High Five in Japan in front of me. I had Alex Cortana. I had everybody who's That's anybody insane. in the cocktail world. If you're a cocktail nerd out there, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was making cocktail for, cocktails for these people. And then I made it past the first round, the second round, third round, and finally Jeez. to the top four. And then I ended up winning. And I was like, holy crap. And you didn't even think you'd get through Canada. Well, I mean, it was one of those things where it's was like, of course, like I'm a Capricorn. I'm going to try my best to make it through and just like <laughs> yeah, right power That's through good. it. Amazing. That's insane. <laughs> and then holding the title of the best bartender in the world, but also, I don't know, getting recognition from my idols basically in this industry and being seen as like one of them or at least on the same playing field as uh, as them was like very mind-blowing to me. And so, yeah, now I get to kind of give give people that experience and opportunity. So I travel around the world and I do seminars and I teach other bartenders how to, like, make it through world-class or different cocktail competitions and do pop-ups at some of the world's best bars. And it's pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> COVID was a little bit hard there because we, we didn't get to travel, but we're back into the full swing of it. So it's pretty badass.
0: It's amazing. And do you judge now, too?
2: Yeah, so being a former global winner, they call us the Hall of Famers, as I do my air quotes. (laughs) Nice, yeah. So you have somebody like Eric Laurent, David Rios, myself, Tim Phillips, and Charles Jolie, and all these amazing people. So we get the opportunity to come back every year and be a judge. We do mentor sessions and whatnot. So last September, I was in Sydney, Australia for almost two weeks, and we judged the finals there. This year, the global finals are going to be in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. So, looking Jeez. forward to that. Hopefully, I think come September. If you September need somebody ish,
0: to hold your bags, you know right? who to
2: call.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What was the drink that won you the world championship? You
2: know, I get this question very, very often. And it's hard to say just one because I think I did over 60 cocktails beginning to end. (gasps) So it's a marathon, not a sprint. And basically your scores have to accumulate over all of the rounds. So if you do really crappy in one round and you do really great in another round, or if you're just middle of the pack, then that counts. And because it's put on by Diageo, Diageo is an entire portfolio of spirits. So it's Mm -hmm. not just gin, not just vodka, not just tequila. So Mm -hmm. you've got Kettle One, Tanqueray, Zacapa, Don Julio, Singleton, Johnny Walker, all these big brands. So you're using all of them and making lots of different types and styles of cocktails. So I can't say there was just one. (laughs) I wish I could, but (laughs) my PTSD won't allow me to say just one drink. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Damn.
1: Then I got a question for you now. What are your thoughts on the paper plane? Was that anywhere in your repertoire? Oh hell yeah!
2: Bar? The paper plane is one of those fun cocktails because I have such a passion for the classics, and it's one of those cocktails. I mean, all of the cocktails that came out of milk and honey in that era of the two thousands, yeah. whether it's Sam Ross or Sasha Petrovsky with the penicillin, the sunflower, the stinger. Like, there's so many amazing cocktails that the paper plane mm-hmm. totally stands out because it's my style of cocktail. It's got I mean, a great base spirit, a great modifier, a great lengthener, and it's got like a hit of bitterness. Mm-hmm. I love a last word, so for me, I'm like paper plane, I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, hell yeah, I will yeah. drink that yeah, all totally. day. that
1: was a riff <laughs> on the last word is what the paper plane was. So you said lengthener, yes. and people might be like, what's that? What's a lengthener?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I consider the lengthener to be like the citrus in here, so adding something that's non-alcoholic into your mm. drink. I mean, like a highball. Gotcha. your lengthener would be the soda water, I guess. But yeah, yeah. something to wow. bridge nice. the gap. We are gonna
0: have a tip section at the end, but I feel like throughout this whole episode, we're <laughs> gonna have, have a lot of you. tips just firing <laughs> out.
1: Let's get into making a paper airplane. Paper airplane, paper plane, oh my gosh. I love paper airplanes well. <laughs>
0: Let's make one too. We'll
1: make a paper plane. Let's do it. And we'll talk more shop after that and then we'll get into the tips, so. Yeah, you guys are down with that. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah,
0: let's get into it.
1: Well, all right, Caitlin, let's uh, let's talk about the paper plane a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw the ball on your court. So, what do you feel makes the ideal or perfect paper plane?
2: Well, I mean, there's a few factors for me. Obviously, it's it's an equal parts cocktail, but I would say. Kind of like if you're going down the vein of like a Negroni or Boulevardier, which also can sometimes be considered equal parts. It's Mm -hmm. For me, it's only equal parts when you've got very specific ingredients. So for me, I like to use a higher proof bourbon because it stands up in the drink a bit more. If I'm using something that's a little bit on the lower side, then I'd probably increase the amount of bourbon that I'm using in my paper plane. And I think I said this to you earlier, but... I know that Amaro Nanino is the OG. You know, that's what the recipe calls for. That's what Sam said. This is what I'm doing. Nanino, like where I live, it can get pricey and it's not yeah. readily available all the time. So I often go for Amaro Montenegro. I think it's got a really nice earthiness to it. It's not yeah. as bitter, I would say, as Nanino, but still has that really nice bitterness to it. And then, yeah, Aperol, I will slap that stuff on everything. It is such a great (laughs) modifier, (laughs) a great liqueur. And the lemon juice. Clearly, your lemon juice has to be freshly squeezed. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm a fan of super juice when you need to use it, but if you can go fresh— yeah. and like fresh squeeze it with the citrus or with the peel still on your citrus so you're getting a little bit of those oils as well. You're laughing. Truly. Yeah. Right. It's a great yeah. cocktail. Yeah. We we're, we're a fresh family too. And it, it's an easy introductory cocktail too to the world of like bourbon I would say and even to the mm. world of like bitter style cocktails cuz it kind of it's not too punchy in the face, bourbon forward like sometimes a like a whiskey sour can be but Uh it's also not too bitter, like punchy in the face. It's got this really nice delicate balance that clearly that's why it's considered a modern day classic. Yeah, it's one of my favorites too.
0: I feel like this is a good one, like you said, to get people who are interested in number one, making cocktails, but number two, who aren't bourbon lovers. So they're like, how do I use this? This is such a fun cocktail. Cause again, equal parts, if you're using great ingredients, it is kind of hard to mess up.
1: Totally. If you look, at recipes, oftentimes it's equal parts, but it's three quarter, three quarter, three quarter, three quarter, right? Why? Why? I don't know. Do you have a theory as like why not an ounce, an ounce, an ounce, an ounce, an ounce, right?
2: I mean, a lot of the times it's just restrictions. Like in in Canada where I live, you can't have. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys have restrictions. Yes, you can't have a certain amount of alcohol by volume in your glass. So I you was have say- to say scale back.
0: Sometimes when I'm feeling it, I'm like, screw it. I'm putting in an ounce each. <laughs> well, you can.
2: <laughs> yeah, you totally, just you just got yeah. a bigger drink that way, right? Totally. But, yeah.
1: Totally.
2: And then if you're putting that on a menu, so when Sam was creating this cocktail, and you, if he was putting it on a menu, which I think he was, he was putting it on a menu for like his buddy in Chicago, and price wise this is going to easily i mean back in 2007 what were like what was the average cocktail price maybe like 12 13 bucks oh my god <laughs> oh my god not even if
1: you were like in like a major metropolitan area right? and yeah. i'm talking like coastal major like in in the twin cities here in minneapolis minnesota it's like canada south kind of
0: yeah you're basically um, like canadian you
1: know, we like, we, yeah we're basically canadian we like hockey it was in 2007. I'd say a really great cocktail might run you eight, $9. Yeah. Like to right? hit $10, double digits, that was crazy.
2: And now you're seeing paper planes on menus for $18 if you're <sighs> lucky. I so, know. I mean, if you're bumping everything up to a full ounce each, then yeah, you're easily s- serving a $25 cocktail <laughs> with the, the prices and inflation <laughs> these so days. True. Holy totally, hell.
1: Totally. Yikes. I remember I was in Vegas. We were at some Russian bar. Probably know it if you, you've ever been to Vegas. It's like this bar. It's got ice. You know, it's made out of ice.
2: I'm trying to think which one it is.
1: Yeah, it's in the Mandalay Bay. I think it was called Red Square. Anyway, so it, they had a martini that was twenty five dollars, and we're talking mm. like back in two thousand eight. And I'm like, Jesus. okay, you know, I just want to try what a twenty five dollars martini sure. tastes like. Totally sucked. I was <laughs> no. so mad. I'm like, what? It like. This is terrible. I could go back to like the Russian bar across the, you know, kind of the lake from me here, which was like so awesome to have a Russian bar, like (laughs) walking distance. So great. A lot of shady stuff came out of the back of that place. But other than that, it was an awesome place. Yeah. And I'm like, this is like totally, like I got a $10 martini. It was like twice as good as that, so.
2: You're paying those Vegas inflated prices, even in 2008. Yeah, that's crazy. But Brad, you were the one who told me, well,
0: I'll ask, because I know. So how was this paper (laughs) playing? How did they figure out the name for this
2: cocktail? I think that this is the coolest story.
1: Yeah, fun fact. Do you know?
2: Of course, yeah. I mean, I was a big M.I.A. fan back in the day.
1: Yeah!
2: <laughs> Fly high <laughs> like paper, go on like planes. Yeah, exactly.
1: If you catch me at the bar I get pieces in my the name. name.
2: Oh. There you go. Uncle Brad's on the ones and twos over there.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So awesome. <laughs> well, if you
2: think about the, the, the time this cocktail came out, it's right smack in the middle of my song was on the radio station, every other song. Oh, my God. I know. He told me that. Yeah. I was like, of course. Of course it was.
1: Of course it was. (laughs) Honestly, and like when I figured that out, which wasn't that long ago, I'm like, oh my God, was that how long that song?
2: (laughs) That was that long ago that song came out? I
1: thought that was like just like five years ago.
2: (laughs) no. No. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I now even still, I name a ton of my cocktails after music-related stuff just because I I love music. It's it's that's also like a big part of my life. So if I anytime I can yeah. intertwine the two of them, but it's funny because yeah, I, I sit at cocktail bars and I look at their menus all the time and I try to pick out how they figured out or how they came up with that particular name pertaining to uh-huh. that cocktail. And sometimes oh, sweet.
1: that's a fun game. It is
2: because sometimes <laughs> it's a really great correlation, and other times you're like, nah, someone just pulled this out of their back pocket because they uh-huh. loved I don't know whatever. Paper Plane, yeah. the song by M.A. <laughs> and you're like, that makes sense. Well, Caitlin, yeah. you have like a vinyl series, don't you, that you do online? Yeah, I did for a while. I I, I paused it for a minute because I have to get a new belt for my record player. And uh-huh. so I used to on Fridays do records and refreshments and like pair one of my yes. records with a cocktail. And I loved doing it so much. So awesome. Unfortunately, the TikTok algorithm didn't really like the series. No. So it just never really got pushed. Oh. And But I had so many people who were like, are you bringing it back? Like, we want it back. Yeah. Because I would put, I would actually listen to the record and like pick out my favorite song and like come up with a fully original cocktail to go with that song. And there were good drinks. And I was like, nobody is seeing these drinks, which is so unfortunate because apparently, I don't know, they couldn't figure out where to put it in the algorithm of life. But yes, it was very fun.
1: Here's the thing about spirits. I feel like everything has been done, but yet there's all this opportunity. Oh, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Everything literally has been done.
1: Yeah. It's it's all been done at some point somewhere but I don't know like I, I don't know how do you how do you come up with original
2: I relate it to like the old saying we're not reinventing the wheel but there's always ways that you can improve upon the wheel and sometimes you've got yeah. winter tires sometimes you've got high performance sometimes you've got this ah, so yeah. part of my like main component of my job I mean doing videos on like social media is more of like a fun passion hobby it's not my like main <laughs> source of income but I'm a recipe developer so I develop recipes for people's cocktail menus, for other brands that they want to use on their websites and everything in between. And so when I'm coming up with different cocktail ideas, first off, it's like, is this establishment that I'm writing this drink for going to be able to execute this drink? And what is their clientele? (laughs) So a lot of the time, there's a lot of like thoughts going through my head, not like, oh, (laughs) I'm going to make a banging cocktail. So, I mean, if I could, I'd use my centrifuge, I'd use uh, like a rotovap, I'd do like all these fun, crazy things to make something very unique and wild, (laughs) but that can't, that's not really replicable for a lot of people in a lot of places. So doing something like Sam, going back to the paper plane, always coming back to the paper plane, doing something like him where he took the last word as inspiration, because the last word is equal parts as well, right? You've got a base Mm -hmm. spirit, you've got a liqueur You've got a modifier and you've got a citrus, so you've got these four elements. And he's like, "Hey, I like that last word. I like those elements. I'm gonna swap out the gin for bourbon. I'm gonna swap out the what maraschino liqueur for apérol, and I'm gonna swap out the like bitter element of what the chartreuse for amaro.
1: Yeah, I mean he started he started with Campari, yeah, exactly. for Campari for like two days, right? And then they're like, mm, amaro's better.
2: Yeah, so. I, I, I personally look at cocktails a lot that way too, where I'll take a classic recipe and I'll be like, okay, how can I take this cocktail and switch it up but still use the same format in a way as a guideline? So a lot of the times I'll, that's kind of how it will start in my brain and works out sometimes, doesn't work out all the, all the times, you know, it's like a 50-50 totally. sometimes. <laughs> but I feel like having, I
0: feel like for a lot of people who listen to who make cocktails at home, I feel like once they understand, I feel like the hardest part for people to understand is the balance aspect. Yeah. Because once you understand that, I feel like citrus or syrups are one of the easier ways to kind of change a flavor. But if you don't understand what it's supposed to taste like and the balance within that, then it's hard to kind of switch things up. But once you do, that's where you can have a lot of fun home bartending without doing too many crazy things or feeling like you have to have years of experience to totally. make your, you know, something new.
2: I think when the guys came out, when the Death and Co guys came out with the Cocktail Codex, cocktail book, that was such a great example of how like structurally how cocktails are all very very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My like favorite example is take like a gin daisy. A gin yeah. daisy is a Cosmo with cranberry juice added in and swap the gin yep. for vodka. It's a lemon drop. It's mm-hmm. what a sidecar. Yeah. It's it's so many other drinks. Yeah. just with one thing swapped out. But I think, like you said, Jules, the balance is is what gets people. Yeah. Whenever I try to teach people, hey, if you're making a gin sour, swap that gin out for rum and you've got yourself a daiquiri, but swap that lemon juice for lime because lime works better with an yeah. unaged rum. If you were using a dark rum, then I'd say stick with lemon because I think lemon works better with a darker rum. It's the trial and error that totally. can be fun, but yeah. understanding balance is... Whew, A big, big part, a big aspect of it for sure.
1: The daisy and the sour. I think if you understand the sour, then you can branch off to the daisy. And it's like, you've got the foundation to make a gajillion cocktails.
2: So many cocktails. I'll make a drink online, and I'm sure this has happened to you, Jules. Where like you'll post up a recipe, and people are like, "Oh, that's just a this," but oh like with this God. swap, I'm like, I "Absolutely, know. it is." But it's also <laughs> yeah. it also tastes very very different. I did totally. one recently with doing one with a Gold Rush, and I was like, uh-huh. I want to make a ginger Gold Rush, and somebody's like, "Wasn't well, that just a penicillin?" And I was like, "Sure, you could look at it as a penicillin, but a pe- what uniquely makes the penicillin a pen- penicillin is a." using a peated scotch whiskey. Right. And what makes a Gold Rush uniquely a Gold Rush is that you're using bourbon. Mm-hmm. But you could also say that this is a bee's knees or a honeysuckle or anything right. else. So I it know. is funny when people try to like, they feel like they get you. They're like, oh, I'm going to There's always get an expert in the
1: comments. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there's the haters. There's yeah. the haters, right? And you guys deal with the haters more than I do because my whole like 680 followers, you know, I don't have any haters because they're all people I know right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, they can't be haters yet. I'm just going to start chirping Brad in his comment section just for fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, just chirp me. Will you? Just for like, fun. Uh, you know what? Totally. <laughs> look right.
2: Should we get into our our third part
0: and start rocking and rolling?
1: Yeah, let's talk shop here a little bit more. I mean, we're talking shop right now, so lucky yeah.
0: number three. All right, I'm gonna let's do it. All right, we're talking shop now. We are just gonna chit chat about cocktails, cocktail making, but mainly, Caitlin like what your favorite cocktails are, what inspires you. I feel like we're
2: just going to start chatting with you. Let's just roll with it. I feel like like I've already been kind of alluding to a lot of things, so. (laughs) Yeah. Brad, do you have a burning question you want to ask? Ooh.
1: Yeah, well, for starters, do you, (laughs) can you say, without feeling bad, do you have a favorite bar, like a place that you're just like, I just, when I think about some of my favorite memories, I go here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of them.
1: Okay, bring it.
2: Recently, I had an amazing experience at a bar in Sydney called Maybe Sammy. And they've mm. been like itching and scratching their way to get into like the top 10, top five of world's 50 best bars, which is extremely awesome. deserved. And Martin, who's like one of the owner-operators, I've known him forever. I've known him since he was bartending at the Savoy, uh, at the American Bar at the Savoy in London. hmm And he is just such and I'm, I'm sorry, I like I feel like I'm just like name-dropping like these big places, but Oh, no,
1: that's so cool. But, <laughs> I'm like, oh
2: Brat's fangirling right now. <laughs> so Martin, when he was there, totally. he he was just always so hospitable. And I've got to travel with him a little bit before. We we actually went to St. Petersburg, Russia together, which also has one of my other favorite bars, Elkopita in St. Petersburg. Amazing place. But
1: tough to get there, probably right very now. Very tough but. to get there, yeah.
2: Right. Back in the day. <laughs> a few years back. I would assume. Yeah.
1: It's not their fault.
2: No. no. No, but maybe Sammy in Sydney is one of those places that I there was so much hype online and there was so much hype around the team and then actually getting to experience in person I was like totally worth all the hype this is like the most hospitable fun place I've I've been to in a long time and I actually got to do like a, a guest a little guest shift behind the bar and actually work with the guys and it was really really fun so that one is probably up there on my list of like places with of amazing memories but also just lived up to the hype and I can't wait to go back. They just opened up another location under a different name in Sydney and I'm like, man, I gotta get back there. It's just so far and <laughs> so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah, been
1: it's not cheap to get there.
2: No. It's amazing. The cocktail scene in Sydney is wild.
0: <sighs> it's it's wild. I have a big list now. I gotta go. I mean, starting I have to go to New Orleans.
2: I still haven't even been there for cocktails. I mean yeah, I that's
1: that's easy to get to. All right.
2: <laughs> Right, right,
1: <laughs> and we we like we seriously we need to make a plan. You should
2: take the podcast on the road and go during Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah, and like yeah, go we'll have do some a fun. Special <laughs> season, why not? Like, do you could oh have gosh, episodes so with so many different like rad bartenders. Totally, it's it is a fun it's a fun place. I also highly recommend go to Mexico City. Mexico City, like oh my per capita, God, has know. some amazing cocktail bars. I know. Really? I would definitely, like, some of my other favorite places are in Mexico City.
1: I have fallen in love with Mexico.
0: Every time. Every time I go back, I'm like, ah, I love this place. I think I'll yes. probably retire there, for sure, without a doubt. You and me
2: both.
1: So I was there yeah. for the first time, and I always I say, like, I was there intentionally because the first time I was in Mexico, I breezed through, well, not the first time, know, the second time, like, I was in Tijuana when I was a kid, but- <laughs> Don't ask. Just don't ask yeah. questions about that. So
0: <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna roll through that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was on a cruise and we, you know, went through Cozumel and I'm like, okay, Mexico is really touristy. And then last year we went to Punta Mita and Saltillo mm-hmm. uh, outside of Puerto Vallarta and I'm like, dude, yeah, why have I not been going to Mexico? I yes. was all about Mexico and I legit like you, Jules. I could retire there. Like I totally. dig that whole program down there. I didn't feel like it was dangerous or anything like that at all. The people were super friendly. It was such a wonderful, wonderful experience. Gosh, Mexico City is like on that bucket list. I've gotta see Mexico City. Mexico
2: City City is one of those places that will always hold a piece of my heart because that's where I won world-class. The the year... Awesome. That year was in Mexico City, so it's always got that, like, a little awesome. glimmer. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it lives up to it, too, because, like I said, the food is amazing, but the cocktail scene out there is wild, and they are just, like, again, like, scrappy. They're, they're scrappy out there yeah. they want people yeah. to come. They want to be recognized. They're... Yeah. they're It's a good, great spot.
0: Okay, well, I kind of have a double-up question to favorite bars. Woo! What's your favorite cocktail, but also, what's your favorite spirit?
2: Well, I guess... I think, I feel like I usually say that my favorite cocktail is the margarita. but any sour, any sour style cocktail like that. So like I love a daiquiri. I love a margarita. I love a a corpse survivor number two. But I mean, if I was on like a deserted island, I I want a bang and margarita with like a half salt rim, just top notch. Mm. Yes. Can't go wrong. Really. Even if I have a shitty margarita, I'm still pretty happy. I'm like, I know it's in a bottle comes premix. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Uh." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Give me an IV of margaritas. But like favorite spirit, that's a tough one because it's either favorite spirit to make cocktails with or favorite spirit to drink. Give me both.
1: You know what? Yeah, give me both. A deal, dealers call here. Dealers <laughs> choice.
2: I would say like favorite spirit to make cocktails with is probably gin. I feel gin is like super versatile. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love gin. It can be in like a booze forward drink. It can be in like a really nice light refreshing. It can be in like a long style drink, like a swizzle, like it, depending on the gin that you use. Yeah, I think it's super versatile. Favorite to sit. I mean, I do love tequila. So I'm, I'm like mm-hmm. a, kind of like a, a white spirits more person. Okay. So make a yeah. love Pisco and yeah. Mm-hmm. Any like funky aged or funky Jamaican rums like Ray and Nephew, I could mainline some Ray and Nephew as well. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be very good for me, <laughs> but that stuff is delicious. Right.
1: Hold on. I got to stop here. Gotta, we got to roll back to gin because this is like my life's mission is mm-hmm. to seriously tell people to relax on saying I hate gin. Mm-hmm. When people tell you, oh, I don't like gin. I just don't like it. I hate gin. I, I don't, the gin. What do you do? Like, what's the drink that you make? This is
2: the thing. I think people associate gin with tonic. And they don't realize that they just don't like tonic.
1: Some people might say they don't like the Christmas trees. Well, that too,
2: right? So I... You're just having bad gin. Yeah, exactly. But if people say they don't like gin, then I will be very specific and pragmatic in the gin that I choose for them. Because like you said, there's some gin that's like super juniper-forward, super piney down that just road of, I don't know, licking a Christmas tree. But then you have Mm -hmm. other gins that are very floral and kind of like cucumber notes and you know all that business. And then you have super, like me, I prefer like either a London dry style or something that's super citrusy. Mm -hmm. So like my go-to is Tanqueray 10. I think it's a fantastic gin. It's a little higher in ABV, but it is fantastic when it comes to making cocktails because it's got this whole citrus quality to it with like a touch of licorice in there but nothing Mm -hmm. like overpowering. I I think the juniper really hangs back on it. So if somebody wants me to make them a drink, I'll either do, if they want something booze forward or if they want something shaken booze forward, I would, there's this drink that I make called the high and dry, and it's basically a Negroni-ish. So it's equal parts gin, Campari, St. Germain, a little orange blossom water, and it's topped up with kava. Not prosecco because it's a little too sweet. We're topped up with cava. It's a really great introductory drink into like the world of negronis without being too bitter okay. in your face. And then if they want a shaken drink and if they're into egg white, I'd make them like a Hotel Georgia, probably oh, something like that. Wait, what's that? Well, a little nod, a, a little Georgia. nod to Vancouver from where I'm from. Hotel Georgia is gin, orgeat, lemon, egg white, and I think just a bit of simple syrup in there as well, or maybe. Oh, it's been a while. Wow, to, me if I'm going off, but
1: I'm gonna go get the orja out of my fridge <laughs> <Yes>. here next.
2: <laughs> totally make one of those. Hotel Georgia. It's it's nice because it's like it's a little nutty for some people. It's kind of got that creamy texture. It's not like hit you in your face gin, but gin is the main component.
1: I like I like to make them a Clover Club. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Or an Aviation too. Oh, Aviation's
2: yeah. tricky. That's a that's a bold it, move. You, yeah. yeah. You can,
1: it, well, here's the thing though. This goes back to measuring, mm-hmm. right? too much creme de violet and suddenly you're drinking a bowl full of par- perfume. Totally. And I was at a really nice restaurant and I ordered an aviation and it came out purple. Oh. And I'm like, dude, there's no way this is going to taste good. And legit, it tasted like I was drinking grandma's perfume. It was <laughs> yeah. so bad. Unless, so upset. Unless
2: they're using Empress Gin and it's like intentionally uh-huh. purple, then oh, maybe yeah, no. that direction. This was not but the case. Probably no. not the case. <laughs> no. Well, it's like I, uh, no. I actually don't mind in aviation because I'm one of those like freaks that actually likes like thrills gum that kind of tastes like soap, you know, that purple gum that tastes like soap, (laughs) like old school. So I don't mind it, but I, yeah, unless you know that the person is going to be into like those like really floral style drinks, then that could, you could also really double down on why they hate gin with that drink.
1: Well, but the interesting thing is, I mean, I've taught, I don't know how many cocktail classes now. And when I bring that drink, people are like, I don't like gin. I'm like, yeah, you do. Let me bring this one out. People are like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I like gin, so I don't know. Maybe it's the way I'm making the aviation.
2: Maybe you're just that good, Brad. You got the good touch. <laughs> yeah. You could also do oh, like yeah, I the touch
1: the feather. You could the do feather touch. you could do like the
2: Audrey Saunders <laughs> ginger gin mule. I mean, I think ginger beer yeah. kind of like hides any and everything. So totally, it's yeah. also a nice little introduction, I guess, into that world. But true.
0: Okay, well, Caitlin, true, true. I have to ask you this question because I saw this video recently, and I believe it was you that said the Negroni. Oh, yeah, It was an overrated cocktail.
2: And I stand by that. I didn't say it was a really? bad cocktail. I just said it was overrated because so many people are like, I think it's just bartenders too. Like people who are super like bartender-centric, they're like, oh, after my shift, this is what I drink. I take a shot of fernet and I have a Negroni. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, bro. But yeah. <laughs> I just personally think there are so many other cocktails out there that are Negroni-esque that are a little more exciting. So like for me, I would much rather drink a Rosita, tequila, dry vermouth, sweet vermouth, Campari, and a touch of bitters. For me, Mm, that just has so much more, I don't know, like- Going on. Yeah, the flavor and like, I don't know, it's just a little bit more intriguing. Or like even drinking a Martinez. I'd rather drink a Martinez over a Negroni. So I think the Negroni has just become like the lazy man's, oh, it's three ingredients, equal parts, throw it into a glass, there you go. Sure, okay, okay. I see your point. People people just really hated on me for that. And I was like, listen.
0: Well, but I feel like you redeemed yourself from the haters by saying the most underrated cocktail, because I was so, and Brad, you'll love this. Caitlin said her most underrated cocktail was <laughs> what? The- Pina Colada.
2: Yeah. I could oh, yeah. not agree more. It Listen, is such an underrated cocktail. And people are like, underrated? You can get that everywhere. I was like, but can you get it everywhere? Not a good one. And also, exactly, are you getting a good yeah. one everywhere? No. But when you yeah. make a damn delicious one, like I'm getting worked up over here. When you make a good one with like, fresh, like freshly juiced pineapple and like yes. good coconut cream, not just like the artificial crap, and like a good rum, hell yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. It was funny because I think I think Justin from Thirsty Whale just recently posted, posted a video <laughs> doing a pina colada. And I was like, yeah. see, underrated. Uh, underrated, people. I'm like, with you. Make it proper.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love using the fresh coconut, too. I think that makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. For me, personally, I love the fresh coconut. One of my favorites, for sure. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. I got to ask. All right, you said Fernet. <laughs> like you said Fernet. I hate it. What <laughs> is the deal? Why is that such the industry? Like, hey, you drink Fernet, or you're part of the industry. What's going on? I
2: will. T- I will tell you this. I'm the wrong person to ask about Fernet because I despise Fernet. I feel like so- it's a front. Again, I feel like people I, just say it exactly. It's, it's I mean, like
1: Jägermeister. I
2: mean, I would rather drink Jaeger over Fernet. Like I would rather drink
1: True. Jaeger over it's, Fernet. It's, it's an angrier <laughs> Jaeger.
2: I would rather drink Malort over Fernet. Oh,
1: now come on. I am I'm dead sorry. Serious. I would rather Malort drink Malort is Malort. what Malort. hate tastes like.
2: <laughs> See, you,
1: seriously, <laughs> <I> would, Satan <laughs> made Malort. Well, then, I, then
2: the Satan's that made Fernet because. <laughs> I can't do it. No, I, this is the thing. I think I think it also is one of those one of those things that became super cool as like oh you come in and then like I don't know the Fernet PR team or whoever is in charge of their their optics <laughs> came out with the Fernet coin and it was like really cool to try to win mm-hmm. a Fernet coin like a challenge coin. So if you go into a bar and you take out a challenge like a Fernet coin from your pocket and you put it on the bar, if the bartender or whoever you're with doesn't have their Fernet coin in their pocket, then they have to buy everybody around of Fernet, so I think it was like a very big like marketing Ooh. thing for a long time. And so collecting mm-hmm. Fernet coins was like also super popular. But I'm like, give me a shot of Amaro Montenegro. I will if totally. somebody was walking to the bar and they wanted to do a bartender's handshake, I would pour a shot of a Montenegro, and you know it's low ABV, it's delicious. I'm not going wild, but yeah, yeah. no, I'm not a Fernet girl. Sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Fernet. I I would drink Fernet if I had a huge meal. And I was so uncomfortable. I yeah. just needed to create some relief in my stomach. And so it does, it gets down there and it's like a team of freaking Kung Fu masters oh, whacking boy. at all the stuff that you just ate.
2: Digestion <laughs> done, <laughs> solved. I got yeah, you. Totally.
1: But it tastes like an absolute fricking punishment when it goes down.
2: That's
0: hilarious.
2: I'm like, give me a shot of Angostura bitters. I will shoot back uh, some Angostura. (laughs) Although it's just not really hitting the right price point.
0: Brad, can I ask one more question? Do we have time for one more question?
1: Yeah, we got time.
0: Okay. We got time. Caitlin, I feel like this is really interesting for people. I mean, home bartenders probably aren't competing, but I think Mm -hmm. that it might be useful information. You're judging these now. So yes. like, yep. what is your criteria
2: for judging? What are you looking for? Yeah,
1: that's a
2: good like question, Jules. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so typically, when you, any cocktail competition, right, they usually get like a judging score sheet, and it's gonna break uh-huh. down into different categories. So depending on what the style of competition is, you've got your basic categories, say of storytelling, could be one of them on there, it could be a mm. taste oh. balance, flavor profile, could be technique, there's, typically a lot of different categories. So apart from those, apart from the drink having to taste good, for me, I always I always like to know if I take a sip of the drink that I can identify the base spirit, because sometimes mm-hmm. people will do a cocktail and I'll be like, if it's for a, a particular gin and I go to taste the drink and I'm like, this could literally be any base spirit. I don't know what the mm-hmm. base spirit is. If it's a branded competition, I want the brand to be showcased and highlighted and that's the whole point of it. Sure. But mm-hmm. my personal bonus little criteria And this is getting like really anal, but if you are pouring, I'm going to try to find a bottle here. If I was pouring, if this is my spirits bottle, (laughs) and I'm pouring it into my jigger to present to the judges, labels facing out. I want to know what you're pouring. This is, again, a branded competition. So the label Mm. of the bottle needs to be facing the judges. If it's not, then the person taking a picture doing that, they can't sell it back to the brand to be like, hey, post this on your socials, post this here, post that there, because Mm. the brand isn't showing. So for me, it's like one of those little mental ticks that the person who's presenting their cocktail in this competition is really thinking about the whole thing. And then cleanliness, when people are putting ice into their mixing glass or mixing tin, instead of having their hand there to kind of bounce the ice off of, they're holding an ice cloth. So they've got a napkin in their hand, so when they scoop their ice and they put it into their tin, it's hitting the ice cloth versus their bare hand then it's going into the glass. So I, I'll i give bonus wow. marks for that, or I'll take marks off if somebody's not doing that. I know, I told you, I get very anal about these things. Wow. And then the same goes for just being messy. So if they're pouring, if they're saying they're pouring two ounces of spirit into the drink, but then they short pour in their jigger before they emptied it into their mixing glass or their shaker, mm-hmm. if they're short pouring, then that gets docked marks. Shaking, and when they're shaking their cocktails, If they're shaking towards the judges, Mm -hmm. I take marks off of that because they should always shake to the side and face away because if a cocktail shaker slips out of their hand or busts open, it's not going to fly towards the judges. So yeah, there's a bunch of like little extra criterias that I always look for, but... Obviously, the, at the end of the day, the drink has to taste good.
0: Totally, yeah.
2: <laughs> it has to be balanced, and balance is different to everybody. I, you know, if I'm not a huge fan, like I say, of the Negroni, but if somebody's making me a Negroni <laughs> cocktail, and I taste it, and I can tell if it's hot, I can tell if it's over-diluted, I can tell if it's not meshing together with the other ingredients in there, there's there's lots of, I don't know, facets to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Wow. Well, and I feel like this is what kind of separates the home bartending from, this is why you seek out when you travel the top 50 cocktail bars to have that
2: experience. There's something called working flair, and it's it's just even just small nuances. So it's the way you kind of like pick up your bar sp- spoon and might twirl it in a specific way. The way you kind of like, when you're pouring your spirit into your jigger, the way you cut it off, and there's these little like working flair that makes sense. And it's not an extra. It's just a part of the whole show. Yeah.
1: It's doing the little things well. Exactly. It's doing the little things well. And it's
2: super impactful. Like I would have people sit at the bar and just watch and be like, (laughs) Like, me. wow, like you know what I mean? But yeah. it's just like it, it almost me. like it's very captivating. I love yeah. it. Like, I mm-hmm. watch like Japanese trained bartenders, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh I'm like, this is oh. the most beautiful thing. I'm like, I will never be a Japanese-trained bartender, but this is the most beautiful thing. I could sit at this bar. Yeah. You don't even have to talk to me. This is a different form of hospitality. I'm just yep. watching totally. you work and do your craft. This isn't like having a conversation, getting to know you. I'm like, no, I'm just like, mm-hmm. Shake that, yeah. stir that, <laughs> carve your ice, yep. do all that. I'm like, this is amazing.
0: Well, and I don't know if you've been asked, too, if people have, because people have said this to me where they're like, oh, you make cocktails, you must never go out and have a, you know, buy a cocktail, or you must never go to, I'm like, no, I try to go (laughs) as much as I can when I'm traveling, because there is so much cool stuff that, depending depending on where you are, like, Mm -hmm. there's so many different things that you can pick up that you won't. I mean, sure, we'll see creators like you, Caitlin, online giving us tips and tricks, but like, there's (laughs) something about- sitting at that bar top watching oh, totally. the bartender that's where i've gained the most knowledge is asking yeah. the bartender talking to him watching him or her like it's just
2: uh, that's my it's happy this, place it's the same for me even as somebody who's quote unquote considered the best in the world at what they did at one point <laughs> in their life i love that
0: you can call yourself that that's
2: so awesome <laughs> i'll hold on to it for the rest of my <laughs> yeah. life yeah hold
1: on like i've been watching you so so i just I, before you get into that <laughs> thought so what people don't know because it's a podcast, you can't see. Caitlin's cat cowboy <laughs> has been a
2: a menace, persistent,
1: want to be guest <laughs> on this podcast. Just keeps jumping up and like hanging out in front of Caitlin, and you wouldn't know it. Like she hasn't missed a beat with the way she's talking. She is like not even looking at the cat, like totally like
0: dialed in. You are
1: a multitask <laughs> <laughs> and like, so yeah And so I've gotta give you that. And that is like serious. That's a skill as bartender. Appreciate so. you, Uncle
2: Brad. As bartenders, you can be that's why I say I'd much rather be called a bartender than a mixologist, because I think anybody can be a mixologist. You mix mm-hmm. two liquids into a glass, you're technically a mixologist. Being a bartender is not just about the drink, it's literally about everything else that goes on. So it's the tone to the exactly. You're tending to the bar. So it's the mood and the atmosphere in the room, how dim the lights are, the music, anticipating somebody's wants and needs, all of that makes the drink and the drinking experience that much better when it's all top top notch.
1: That's awesome. God. I that's so love. Cool. Yeah. I love that philosophy. I want to be called a bartender. My dad was a bartender. I mean, I grew up watching him tend the bar, and that was that's just that's something I just hold on to is watching him work a crowd, yeah, work the drink, not miss a beat. I love me a bartender. Yeah, the mixologist, the grumpy, <laughs> overly waxed mustache. Nothing's anything wrong with a waxed mustache, but I'm just I saying, know. like you know, when it's like you got the guys who are like all the part, and then they're like giving you the moleyka when you're like ordering uh-huh. a drink. It's like that's not. Helping me in the way I feel about being here. Some of here. <laughs> my
2: favorite places to go and drink are like dive bars because yeah. it's, totally. I mean, you you know, like I'm not going in there ordering a, 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 I don't know, like a fancy, crazy drink. Most of the time I drink cider or I, I'll drink a rum and coke. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. But it's because like the environment and the atmosphere is just unpretentious and yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And plus I love playing mm-hmm. pinball. So if there's a pinball machine there, yes. I am all for it. But like I said, I've been very lucky to travel the world and go to some amazing bars that have been on these lists. And then you go yeah. and you sit down. And I don't know if like the bartender's afraid. Maybe it was just me and like they're afraid to talk to me because they're like, oh, this was once like, oh, this is, I can't believe I have to make a drink for her. Oh my God, I'm so stressed. And I'm like, I am a normal person, please. Like, don't put any yeah. extra anything into it. Just talk to me as as if I was just anybody sitting at your bar. But it's totally. like, you know, people who just like stick up their nose and barely say two words to you. And I'm like, well, I don't want to come back here now. Like, I'd much rather yeah. go down the street to the pub and listen to the same story that, I don't know, Deborah, who's been working the bar 40 years, has yeah. told that I've heard a million yeah. times. Like, I, I'll take that. Totally. yeah. Bartenders, man.
1: Well, I, f- I feel like we are bleeding into, and organically bleeding into the uh, tips section. So why don't we wrap this part up? Yeah. And then let's talk tips because there's a lot of content here.
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right, the tip section of the day. And Caitlin, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity. I know you've we've talked a lot, but I feel like this is a really good part of the show where we can ask you some tips and tricks for bartending. And even more specifically, if you have them, home bartending. So people listening can see what you may think will help them at home. Or, you know, bartenders
2: who are listening too. yeah. All right. Do you like just want me to fire off some tips or do you have some general tip questions? Yeah.
1: Let, let us <laughs> let us set some guardrails. So we have hammered home a chilled glass. We have hammered yep. home fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. We've hammered home the shake, although here's the interesting thing about the shake. I'll go teach a bartender class and I'll tell people, shake the <laughs> out of this drink. <laughs> you gotta shake it. Like you're angry at it, you got to make yeah. sure the stuff's slamming into one wall and slamming into the other. Exactly. And then you still see people go
2: wiggle, 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 wiggle.
1: Yeah, Yeah, they're just kind of like swirling it around the shaker. And it's like, oh yes, it's not shaking. <laughs> it's
2: okay, shaking. so to, so to add to your shaking point, I always like to hammer home: ice is your friend. Yeah. Do not be afraid of ice. Like load your shaker or your yari or whatever your stirring vessel up with a f- ton of ice because. Uh-huh. When you have too little, it's going to melt too quickly, therefore over-diluting your drink and under-chilling it. So when you mm-hmm. add in a crap ton, you have more controlled dilution. Therefore, your drink yeah. is going to come out better. But mm-hmm. I think people are just like, oh, I'm just going to put like a two or three cubes in. And I'm like, no, load that baby up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do it. I like. I think year one was doing that, and the ice I was
0: using was like I was putting small crushed ice into my shaker. Now I finally have a freezer that makes ice. Oh, must be nice. I because know. You fancy pants really, over there. I've really <laughs> stepped up.
1: But oh, you got, <laughs> but it's, oh, you got it's, the ice freezer. That's nice. Ooh. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> but it's true. Once I upgraded, I was like, oh my god, I was watering down my drink so much by using mm-hmm. small ice because it would break up it just too quickly. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you. I think ice is, is yeah, that's a good and tip. And I would,
2: I would also say less is more. Don't overcomplicate mm-hmm. things. Less is more, especially if you're like trying to figure out a drink and you're like, I want to come up with something. I don't know if this is going to work. Don't put like a full ounce of simple syrup in your drink. Start yeah. with a half ounce, take a sip. And if it wasn't enough, then you know you can bump up because if you put too much in, it's very hard to take away. But if you put not too much in, it's easier to add to it. So less is more. And also, like, I say this to bartenders or if I'm judging a cocktail competition and somebody is making a cocktail, like, what was your starting point? Because this now has eight ingredients in it. Did it need eight ingredients or were you trying to cancel something out or heighten something else out when you probably should have just stopped, walked away, thought about it again, and restructured it? Because now you've lost the point of the drink altogether.
1: Yeah. 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 It's not a curry. Less is more. Right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. And my third tip, because I like to do things in three.
1: Ah, the trinity's good.
2: Also salt. Salt is your friend. Doing salt in like a little saline solution or even just like the tiniest little pinch of salt. Salt, like in cooking, is going to enhance your flavors. So don't be afraid to add a little dash of saline solution or just like a tiny little sprinkle of salt when you want to enhance flavors.
0: So that's a good point because that is something even in my journey I haven't dabbled in yet is the saline solution. And I also think I've been seeing a lot of people add like citric acid. Can you walk me through, now we're getting into more technical ingredients, what that looks like and like why you would use it over something else?
2: Yeah, so I use a lot of acids, like alternative acids. I actually literally went to the bartending shop today and I had to buy a new bag of uh, malic acid and uh, ascorbic acid or like vitamin C. Because I like to do something called acid adjusting. So if I'm using, say, like a grapefruit juice or an orange juice or pineapple and because all, I mean, this is going to be the geeky side of things. (laughs) I love it. All, All citrus falls like on a scale of like a pH scale. So you've got limes and lemons down on one end and you've got oranges, grapefruits, pomelos down on the other end. So when you're adding them to a cocktail, you're not going to get the right citrus hit from, say, just using grapefruit juice or just using orange juice, right? It's not acidic right. enough. So you can do something called acid adjusting, where you will take your orange juice or your grapefruit juice and add in a little bit of citric acid or malic acid or tartaric, whatever your Trying to go for, and you can adjust that citrus to have the same pH balance as a lemon or a lime. So then you don't have to add in lemon juice and lime juice on top of that, increasing the volume of your drink. You're just adding in that one grapefruit juice, but you've acid adjusted it so it has the same. That makes sense. Level pH level as a lemon or a lime, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> you, 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 and just for everybody else, like you underscored, or I, I want to underscore not increasing the volume of the drink. So keeping the drink the same, but adding in the desired amount of acid.
2: So again, you talk about like having a drink having eight ingredients. Instead, now it'll have seven ingredients because you're not picking up the orange juice and the lemon juice. You're just picking up your orange juice, but it has been acid adjusted to still taste like orange juice, but have the pucker and that, that citrus feel as like a lemon or a lime. There is like online, you can, if you look up acid adjusting, there's so many lists out there that will tell you the right grams of or weight to put in of like citric or malic or tartaric acids. There's Citric comes from citrus. Malic acid comes from apples. Tartaric comes from, I don't even know off the top of my head, but so they're all different types of styles.
1: I've been writing stuff down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's the geeky mixology side that you don't see as a home bartender. But a lot of the times, a lot of these cocktail bars are using and doing to make your cocktail taste that much better. So when you go to replicate that cocktail at home, you're like, this is missing something. What what was that magic ingredient? It's like all these little geeky things that you're probably not doing at home. Right. But they're being done and thought about. I just love how you have different levels for people. Well, it makes it more fun for me too. I mean, because I do a lot of original cocktails and yeah, it's interesting because I'm like, I don't know if somebody's going to want to replicate this, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are down for it. And I get a lot of requests where people are like, can you you show us drinks that we would never make at home? And I was like, I could, but then I'm making them at home and I'm going to be stuck with these ingredients for the next little while and I'm probably not going to use them.
0: (laughs) I would probably be obsessed with that series because I feel like I've never really seen outside of the bartending, like in a bar, someone get into like the nerdiest. Cocktail. You know, I've
2: I've busted out my spins all or like my little like centrifuge a few times and people are like, what in the hell is yes. this? Like, like you can't even buy that equipment anymore. I'm like, I know, I know. but somebody's been asking for it. <laughs> I feel like with the experience you've had, you just like you have so much knowledge and it's so
0: cool to watch you, to have you on, and to continue to follow you. I mean, everything you put out, I learned something new. It's the coolest thing. Like, it was like one of my favorite follows was when I I followed you. Oh, thank you. So, I I think that's another tip if you're looking to get into craft (laughs) cocktailing is to honestly follow you on Instagram and TikTok.
1: Yeah. How, How do we find you?
2: Likeable cocktails. As everybody likes to point out in the stories, it shortens to likeable cock. So, okay. <laughs> um, like cocktails is there.
1: <laughs> you don't want to go to that website.
2: You know, I'm like, listen, I was Not like the at work. I like it, though. The more the more people point it out, I'm like, I well, it made well, you think about me, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: right, yeah. Uh-huh. It
2: couldn't be farther from the truth, but hey. Uh,
0: yeah, it's pretty funny. And then, Caitlin, is there anything you also want to share with
2: our listeners, website, or new things you have coming up that you want to, you know? Just stuff on socials. If you follow me on Instagram especially, I always like to post in my stories if I'm doing pop-ups or if I'm going to be somewhere. Yeah, so just... Hang, hang out. I'm literally finishing up a book proposal right now, so hopefully Sweet. in the near future that will be out in the world at some point. I will definitely pre-order anything that you put out. Hell yeah. Hell so. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, this was so great. Yeah. Thank you for
2: having both me and my cat cowboy. Yes. Because clearly she was the star of the show. Yeah. She if you could see right now the pile of drool she just left all over my bar tools roll up. I'm like, this is disgusting. Love
1: <laughs> I love it. Good thing we're not drinking at your place right now, but that's all right.
2: Yeah. Listen, it's called it's called umame, okay? That's <laughs> yeah. the extra. You're like, what is that? I can't pinpoint it. Mm, it's that cat umame What's that kind of cowboy. Nice,
1: smooth kind of texture. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Hey, listen, for real. It was really great talking to you.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, hopefully one day soon, we can all
0: three get together, have a cocktail and meet in real life. Meet IRL. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad.
1: Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show.
0: Don't worry, we will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjules.com.
1: And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jules or Cigars and Vino. That's me also on the Insta.
0: And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jules Cocktail Club. And there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up.
1: This is a Red Rock music podcast.
0: Don't forget, subscribe, like and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jules and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts. We'll back.